Father Andrew Apostoli. Welcome to our series on entitled Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, A Prophet for Our Times. We're filming this segment of our series in a beautiful church of Christ the King in New Vernon, New Jersey. And we're here because this was a church that Bishop Sheen himself preached in. We have a beautiful picture of him preaching here. He was standing just about the center of the sanctuary preaching to the people, and uh, this photograph was taken of his evening when he was here. He came here on Ash Wednesday, or uh, it was February 27th, 1974, and he preached at the 7.30 Mass. This is a fitting place to talk about the Archbishop's great gift of the written word. You know, the old saying is that the pen is mightier than the sword. And the pen of Bishop Sheen was very mighty because he conveyed the word of God in, uh, in the written form where people could read this word and ponder it. You know, in his lifetime, he wrote over 60 books, 60 pamphlets. He wrote sermons, lectures. He wrote columns for various newspapers. Besides writing his talks for his radio shows and his, also for his television programs. Bishop Sheen covered all kinds of topics when he wrote. He dealt with the mission of Jesus, the, the work, the, our Lord's work of salvation in the world, in the, especially in the 1930s and 40s and 50s. He dealt with communism, you know, the, all the other isms, Nazism, fascism, that were threatening the stability of the world and peace. Uh, he talked about practical problems, problems of love and freedom. When he died, he was writing a new book. He wrote about 15 pages. He had handwritten them. It was going to be on the Holy Spirit, a wonderful topic that he inspired for me in my own life um, to not only preach about, but to write a few books on the Holy Spirit myself. The first book that Bishop Sheen wrote was entitled God and Intelligence in Modern Philosophy. When Bishop Sheen was ordained, he was sent out to study philosophy. He spent two years at Catholic University but he didn't feel he could really gain a good degree there because he didn't seem to have the depth that he was looking for. And he spoke to one of the faculty members who said to him, what are you, what are you interested in? And, and uh, young Father Sheen said, well, there's two things I want to know. What are the problems of the world today? What is modern man thinking? And secondly, how can we solve the problems of the modern world in the light of the philosophy of St. Thomas Aquinas? He was very, very taken with the philosophy of St. Thomas. In fact, during his years of study, uh, he actually read everything that St. Thomas Aquinas had ever written. And so, 1925, when he was at Louvain, he was given an invitation to work for a degree.
and identifying governance structures and dynamics through which to articulate participation and authority over time in a missionary synodal church. Rooted in this awareness, the Instrumentum Laboris affirms, is the desire for a church that is also increasingly synodal in its institutions, structures, and procedures. I'm Sister Bernadette Reese. President Biden and Vice President Harris will participate in a campaign event on Friday to mark the one-year anniversary of the Supreme Court's overturning of Roe v. Wade. The event, that will include pro-abortion groups, will be held in Washington, D.C. a day before the actual anniversary of Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health, which is on Saturday. This weekend in North Carolina, Vice President Harris is slated to give a major speech to rally supporters of abortion. The governor of Pennsylvania says traffic will begin flowing along Interstate 95 again this weekend. A portion of the busy highway has been closed since a bridge collapsed last week due to a tanker truck fire. While giving an update on repairs yesterday, Governor Josh Shapiro said paving should begin today. The temporary roadway with Six lanes open to traffic will be used until a permanent fix is completed. The closure has had an impact on commuters along with shipping and trucking. The Defense Department is now assisting in the search for a missing vessel used to explore the Titanic wreckage. DOD spokesperson Sabrina Singh told reporters yesterday that C-130 aircrafts are conducting search flights over the area, She said the Navy has been coordinating with the Coast Guard, which is leading the search. The U.S. Coast Guard is in a race against time as it's believed the submersible has less than 30 hours of oxygen left. It had five people on board when it went missing on Sunday. South Florida immigration advocates want the Biden administration to grant new temporary protected status designation for Nicaragua. Trey Thomas reports. Immigration advocate Thomas Kennedy says it will protect them from deportation and give them the benefit of employment authorization. You know, we need uh, the administration uh, at the federal level to do more than talk and walk the walk. Last week, the Biden administration announced the extension of TPS for Nicaraguans living in the U.S. since Hurricane Mitch in 1998. But without the redesignation, thousands of others already living here remain at risk. I'm Trey Thomas. And a restaurant in California must pay $140,000 to its workers after hiring a fake priest to get confessions out of them. Federal investigators are calling it the most shameless act of corruption, a business of a business against its staff. According to the Department of Labor, an employee testified that the owner of the restaurant in Sacramento hired someone to hear confessions during work hours to extract what they called sins. That included asking them if they'd ever been late to work, stolen money or harbored bad intentions toward the company. The Diocese of Sacramento confirmed there was no connection between this alleged priest and the diocese. So I'm kind of wondering how long this went on before somebody asked, like, hey, are you really a priest? Hang on a second. Isn't it weird that our boss, our regular job, brought in a priest so that all the employees could come to confession? And isn't it weird that I said, bless me, Father, I have sinned, and said— what was on my heart, and he's like, 
well, let's talk about your work day. What do you do when you first come in? <laughs> but what's you your know method what? for counting the money? Can we just can Wait we talk second. about this from um, a positive standpoint for one second? They like, all went. To they confession. all went to conf. Yeah. They all went. Well, they thought they were going well, to didn't. confession anyway. They were willing to go to confession. So interesting. I mean, we don't know that they all were, but we know that. I mean, some was. of them were. Yeah. So that means that the only people who are righteous in that restaurant, mm-hmm. well, is everybody but the manager. Yeah, think about confessing that. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. I, I hired, hired someone some... to impersonate you. <laughs> I was laughing because Father Hezekiah Carnazzo is from Sacramento. I was like, man, he'd probably love this job. Go to the like, go to some restaurant. I bet you get some free food. Yeah. Listen to some and he wouldn't tell a soul what you said. Exactly, he's actually bound by the seal of confession. Unlike, unlike this no. fake impersonator. Priest. What a weird scam. I know. It's so strange. Uh, What a way to start a Wednesday. Do a Senate on that. I know, right? Today is Wednesday, June the 21st. It is the Feast of St. Aloysius Gonzaga. Pray for us. It's nine past. Dr. John Bergsma back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We've been going through his book, Love Basics for Catholics. Good morning, Doc. Good morning, Anna. So the last time we were together, we were talking about the relationship between God and the people of Israel in the time of Moses. And next up in your book is the story of Boaz and Ruth, a rather important courtship in the history of salvation. But before we get to their encounter and their relationship, we need to understand the backstory. So we have the death of Moses at the very end of the book of Deuteronomy, correct? Right. And then in between that and the book of Ruth are are two books in the Bible, the book of Joshua and the book of Judges. So can you take us through the the gist of the story to get from Moses to Ruth? Absolutely. So Joshua, you know, we have Moses' successor taking the people of Israel into the Promised Land. He is a strong leader. Things go largely well under his leadership, and the people subdue the land and gain control of it, and they more or less behave under his tenure and that of his immediate successors. But things go really downhill after that, and we enter into the tumultuous period of the judges, which lasts maybe 200 years, where there's no strong central authority, just these charismatic leaders rise up periodically to help the people, and, um, you know, as military leaders, etc., we call these judges, these are figures like Gideon and Samson and Jephthah, etc., and, uh, you know, things go all right when these judges are leading the people in battle. But in the in-between times, there is just a lot of moral chaos, and people get really mistreated. And the book of Judges ends with two really unpleasant stories, both of which involve, um, you know, the mistreatment of women in particular, which is kind of a sign of society being in a very bad state. How society treats women, orphans, and the vulnerable 
uh, is a mark of whether we have a moral and civilized society, and that is not the case at the end of the Book of Judges. Yeah, the you write in the book, the theme of the book of Judges is stated clearly twice. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. And that's dangerous for for any number of reasons, isn't it, Doc? It sure is. And it more or less sounds like American culture. Everyone does what's right in his own eyes. In other words, you know, that's good for you. This, this is good for me. That's good for you. You know, different strokes for different folks. It's what we call moral relativism, where everybody makes up their own rules. And it does not work out in the long run. And it's not going to work out well for us either. And uh, yeah, so we need to preach the gospel. Yeah. So um, you talked about um, the the effect that this would have on women. There's really no respect for the dignity of marriage leading into this book of Ruth, I guess. There isn't. Yeah, we have this uh, account of the tribe of Benjamin that is complicit in this terrible atrocity to uh, the wife of a certain Levite. And, uh, you know, at least the Israelites go to war against the tribe of Benjamin to avenge this um, terrible treatment. Uh, but then at the end of it, the, ben- the tribe of Benjamin gets almost wiped out. They only have a few survivors left, and they steal wives. They steal a bunch of girls to be the wives of these remaining Benjaminites so that the tribe doesn't die out. So it's like two wrongs don't make a right. And uh, that leads into the book of Ruth. Now, who is Ruth, and how does she enter the story of salvation here? Absolutely. So we got this Israelite family in Bethlehem, and of course Bethlehem means house of bread because it was one of the richest grain-growing regions in Israel. And in the opening of the book of Ruth, they have no bread in the house of bread. There's a famine, and they have to go to Moab, which is a hated enemy territory, you know, something like how Russia traditionally has been antagonistic towards the U.S. If you could imagine a family of corn farmers from Nebraska having to emigrate to Russia because of a famine, (laughs) that's kind of what we've got at the opening of Ruth. And so this Bethlehemite family goes over there, and the sons of the family marry Moabite women, and Ruth is one of those women. Now, this would normally be a troublesome thing because the Moabites are pagans, right? But Ruth is a rather special Moabite. She is indeed. After the sons die, and the father of the family as well, and uh, Naomi, the mother-in-law, is heading back to Israel, she tells the daughters-in-law, hey, go back, there's no future for you uh, with me. But Ruth says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Where you go, I will go. Where you die, I will die. Your people will be my people, your God, my God. And what's so beautiful about this, Anne, is this is covenant-making language. She is swearing a personal covenant to Naomi to be Naomi's daughter and to be an Israelite and to practice the Israelite faith. And it's so touching because it's a, it's a 100% in. You know, I'm giving everything, not not holding anything back. I'm completely throwing in my lot with you. 
and um, and it's very risky and even vulnerable for Ruth to do that, but she does so out of love for her mother-in-law. Why is that dangerous for her? Well, because we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, she could get back to Bethlehem. She could get mistreated. She Maybe no Israelite man will marry her. Maybe she just ends up as an old maid caring for her elderly mother-in-law in kind of miserable poverty for the rest of her life. So we just don't know what's going to happen. Okay, and uh, we'll largely leave it there for now. But this this love between these two women, this this family bond that they have, will lead to really great things, Ruth, and and really for all of us, right, Doc? <laughs> Every one of us, yes. It's um, you know, Ruth is a book about how fidelity to covenant, fidelity to family, provokes other acts of faithfulness and ultimately leads to life, joy, the growth of the family of God. Amen to that. You'll find out more next time we get together with Dr. John Bergsman. In the meantime, pick up his book, Love Basics for Catholics. You can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Headlines up next. It's 17 past. Support from Angel Studios. This July 4th from Angel Studios, who brought you his only son and the chosen, comes a true story of courage and redemption. Sound of Freedom, starring Jim Caviezel, who portrayed Jesus in The Passion, and Academy Award winner Mira Sorvino. Inspired by remarkable acts of bravery, Sound of Freedom unveils the true events of a dangerous mission to save young, innocent lives. A story that shares hope and the power of human resilience. Sound of Freedom, rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. In theaters July 4th. I'm Matt Swain, grateful that Visiting Angels underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide to continue living at home rather than a nursing home. Experienced, compassionate caregivers provide assistance in hygiene meals and light housework, and services are provided up to 24 hours per day with caregiver selection before service begins. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the Monk Shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some Monk Shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. EWTN, communicating the faith. And all the people who are working so hard to get us on radio, you know, that's wonderful. And even if you reach 100 miles or 50 miles, you help spread the word. And we do all the programming for you. Programming is the expensive stuff, you know, so you don't have to worry about programming. And so we want to thank you for everything you've done to make this radio possible. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. 19 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. The Holy See has released the working document that will guide the discussions for participants in October in the first of two assemblies in the Synod on Synodality. President Biden and Vice President Harris have confirmed they'll be participating in a campaign event, a pro-abortion campaign event, to mark the one-year anniversary of the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And Pope Francis has written a message to those participating in the Vatican Observatory's Summer School of Astrophysics. 
Oh, sorry, I fell asleep there for a second when you started talking about the scented stuff. <laughs> Matt, you I'm are having such terrible. a hard time. You're terrible. So, here's the thing. Uh, you and I both have to do interviews about the instrumental of the Warriors today, and so I'm trying to read this thing, and I did not make enough coffee. <laughs> so well, there's a lot more. of you got a little bit of time before I your know. interview. So, so I will say this: there's some really good stuff in here, but man, I feel like one of the reforms that the church could use is a reform and simplification of its vocabulary. Mm -hmm. So like at the end of paragraph 57, it says, how can we imbue our structures and institutions with the dynamism of the missionary synodal church? I could tell you how you can imbue them with more dynamism. Use less words. <laughs> Fewer words, Matt. Know. Fewer words. This is why I'm not in charge of writing instrumental laboruses. <laughs> it's 21 past for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. A Marian prayer from the Celtic tradition. Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Queen of Grace, Mother of Mercy, Hail Mary in manner unsurpassing, font of our health, source of our joy. To thee we, night and day, erring children of Adam and Eve, lift our voice in supplication, in groans and grief and tears. Bestow upon us, thou root of gladness, since thou art the cup of generous graces, the faith of John and Peter and Paul, with the wings of Gabriel on the heights of the clouds. Vouchsafe to us, thou golden branch, a mansion in the realm of peace. Rest from the perils and stress of waves, beneath the shade of the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. For Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, I'm Father Benedict O'Kinsella. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swim, joined now by Father Rob Jackies, host of Driving Home the Faith on Sacred Heart Radio. You hear his prayers aired here on the Sunrise Morning Show all the time. Father Rob, good morning. Morning, Matt. How are you doing? I'm doing well, and uh, I'm trying to be a laborer in the vineyard, uh, but there's only one of me. Luckily, there's more than one of me in the church. <laughs> so, well, uh, the, you're right. Jesus recognizes this reality from the beginning, right? Well, I, it's amazing when you begin to actually look at that passage. Jesus looks over. He's just begun his ministry. He's done the Sermon on the Mount, and he looks over, and he he, he observes the people. You know, he doesn't go in, and, if you will, with a, a marketing plan or anything. He observes the people. And in verse 36, Jesus was moved with pity because he saw they were troubled and abandoned. 
they, they saw, he saw, I think, a world enslaved in, in the name of false freedom. And you, you see that as well as I do, where you live out in, in D.C. You know, you look at the people and you say, good Lord, they need something, don't you? I mean, they need something. I also know that I need something, right? Well, that's and I think true. They know that they need something. We don't, don't always know what it is. I mean, I think that's part of it. Well, I think they need what we need. And see, this is where, this is where I think we're, we're failing in many ways. Now, oftentimes we think uh, of very complex ways of trying to get people to come to Christ. The simplest way to do that is to tell them who Jesus is. And this is unfortunately one of the things that we Catholics tend to lack. You know, we'll talk about moral problems and theological methodologies, and good Lord, I'm a member of that club. But what's clear is the only thing that's going to draw people to really change their heart is to know Jesus Christ. Does that sound familiar to you? <laughs> I mean, it sounds familiar to me from my time as an evangelical Protestant, for sure. Yeah. But, well, I mean, see, this as is, evangelical this is Catholic, part of being a Christian, right? Well, it is. But, I'm, but how many people actually know the Lord in that sense? If you were to ask people, I mean, you know, it was funny last week. Well, it wasn't funny. It was sad. You saw on the show Jeopardy, you heard that a simple phrase, it says, okay, complete this phrase, our Father who art in heaven, blank be thy name. And not one of those people knew the answer to that. Now, a few million watching knew, because they were throwing things at the television. But to have that simple message out there to the people is something that we as Catholics have to know. I, I do an examination every day, and I say, you look around the world, it is. I spent many hours in the hospital beds and, and working in hospices and just dealing with people in the parish. And the thing is, is I have to mention Jesus to them. I just can't assume it. I can't presume it. You can't do that nowadays. And I think this is what the apostles were told. You know, these, he gave them a very simple message. Go tell them the kingdom of God's at hand. Okay, that's all he said. And the apostles could handle that. I don't know if they can handle a whole lot more than that. But what they really gave was what Jesus has done for them in their life, what Jesus is doing for them now, and what Jesus can do for them if they follow him. Because I, there's many people, and you know this as well as I do, we will say we profess faith in Christ, but we don't live it. And there is a, there is a challenge for this world today, because if, if the world saved by sin, and Christ has freed the world by sin, then you and I are the only ones who can tell them, because, you know, priests and religious, often this passage is used for vocations, and, and rightly so, but the people who are working every day and living in their families are the ones that are on the front lines. You know, you and your family, Anna and her family, you're in the front lines. And when you begin to talk about who Jesus is, and you tell them, what Jesus can do. And you simply say, I'll pray for them. But that's backed up by behavior. That's what's going to bear fruits in the kingdom, in my opinion. Well, and uh, not just your opinion, uh, in the experience of so many of us who have seen how this plays out, uh, you know, a lot of people think that they got to go out and uh, stand up on the break table in the break room during lunch and, you know, give a sermon. And that's not what this is about. It's amazing no. how much of an impact you can have if you're the guy in the locker room who doesn't laugh when someone tells a dirty joke and people think, I wonder what's different about that guy. Like, it's, it's, it takes just a tiny bit of intentional effort to be Christian 
in the times that matter, and people will notice. Well, and that's the thing. If they notice that, if they notice we have a, a life that, while it has its troubles, it seems balanced, that we show hope in the midst of this. I mean, if, if someone who's a Christian doesn't look any different than someone who's not, you know, you watch the same shows, you do the same thing, you wear the same clothes, all those kind of things, and there's nothing behind it. Then, then you know, we we are as we're as lukewarm as everyone else. But to have that that relationship with the Lord, which comes, of course, from knowing who the Lord is, knowing what He teaches, and and living it, because you know as well as I, having it in your mind is one thing, but living it out every day, especially when you'd rather not do it is really where the rubber hits the road. Yeah, and uh, there are going to be 100 million opportunities for each one of us today, <laughs> right, today to make that right. choice of, of living it or not. I mean, I w- wonder if you could leave us maybe with a word of encouragement for someone who's like, yeah, Father Rob, that sounds really great, but you don't know what I've got to wrestle with today in my workplace, I mean, in my family. What what would you say maybe to, to, to share a word of encouragement for someone who's like, I don't know if I can do that today? Well, the encouragement is that we don't do it alone. If we believe that, if we believe completely and totally that we are not alone in everything that we do, because objectively, if we are baptized and we have the gift of the Holy Spirit and we live a moral life and we're tied to the sacraments, those that's the power that we don't ever recognize that we have. And in having that, and in moving with that, and in showing that. As long as we trust in the Lord and don't take the credit. See, I take the blame very quickly, but I never take the credit. (laughs) And in taking (laughs) that credit, you begin to recognize that when I walked into a room of someone who is dying or a hospital patient, I'm saying, Lord, I can't handle this, but I'm going to have to do something good for these people. You're going to have to help me. And just make that statement, Lord, you're going to have to help me. Every morning when you get up, give the Lord the preemptive strike. Say, Lord, i got to deal with a bunch of crazy people today. And in order to do that, I'm going to need your patience, I'm going to need your wisdom, and I'm also going to need bail money just in case I get in trouble. There you go. That's not a bad word of encouragement at all. Father Rob Jack, always appreciate you. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you again soon. You have a good day, Matt. You can find a link to Father Rob at sunrisemorningshow.com. Half past the hour, here's Anna with news. Good morning. The Holy See released the Instrumentum Laboris, or working document, that will, go, that will guide the discussions in the Assembly in the Synod on Synodality this October. Bishop Daniel Flores, who has been in charge of the synodal process in the United States, welcomed the document. He said in a statement, quote, the Instrumentum Laboris presents the people of God with a remarkable opportunity to reflect on what we have learned thus far about the nature of a synodal church and how we might embrace that more fully, end quote. President Biden and Vice President Harris will participate in a pro-abortion campaign event on Friday to mark the one-year anniversary of the overturning of Roe v. Wade in the ruling from the Supreme Court Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health The event will include pro-abortion groups and will be held in D.C. just a day before the actual anniversary of the Dobbs decision. This weekend in North Carolina as well, Vice President Harris is slated to give a major speech to rally abortion supporters. The Pentagon says an accounting error revealed last month 
overvalued military aid to Ukraine by roughly $6.2 billion. More from Brian Shook. It was announced Tuesday that the error includes fiscal years 2022 and 2023 when the U.S. transferred weaponry. Services used replacement costs rather than net book value, according to officials. That resulted in overestimating the value of the equipment drawn down from the U.S. stocks and provided to Ukraine. The final calculation of the error exceeds the $3 billion that the Pentagon previously estimated. I'm Brian Shook. The Defense Department is assisting now in the search for a missing vessel used to explore the Titanic wreckage. DOD spokesperson Sabrina Singh told reporters yesterday that C-130 aircrafts are conducting search flights over the area. She said the Navy has been coordinating with the Coast Guard, which is leading the search. Yesterday marked World Refugee Day. Pope Francis had highlighted the day during his Sunday Angelus address when he prayed for the migrants who recently drowned off the coast of Greece after a shipwreck with some 700 passengers aboard. Pope Francis has written a message to those participating in the Vatican Observatory's Summer School of Astrophysics. From Vatican Radio, Linda Bordoni reports. Pope Francis was recovering in hospital last week after undergoing surgery when he penned his message of greetings and appreciation to this year's participants in the Vatican Observatory Summer School. Never, he said to them, lose the sense of wonder in your research and in your lives as you continue to observe the universe with increasingly sophisticated tools. The summer school in Castel Gandolfo that is back after a five-year hiatus due in part to the COVID-19 pandemic was established in 1986 for young astronomers and has always enjoyed the support of the popes. The Holy Father observed that recently developed scientific tools such as the new James Webb Space Telescope offers astrophysicists the possibility to see how the universe continues to expand and change before our eyes. As young scholars at the dawn of the 21st century, he continued, you seek in the course of this summer school to grasp something of that vast expanse and to develop methods capable of better digesting and understanding the constant flow of new data. But he also highlighted how new tools are insufficient if used without wisdom and expertise. And he invited the young astronomers who observe reality through the window of astronomy not to neglect the other windows that, he said, can reveal other important realities like compassion and love. I'm Linda Bordoni. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 minutes past the hour. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the Monk Shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track. 
by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. My God, if we were to grasp heavenly inspirations in all their fullness and power, we would make great progress in virtue in very short time. No matter how abundant the source of the water is, the water does not enter the garden in proportion to the source, but in proportion to the canal that carries it. In the same way, the Holy Spirit, as a source of living water, surrounds our heart on all sides to scatter His graces according to His pleasure. But He does not want to enter the heart without the free consent of our will or without our cooperation. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Chris Armstrong. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Gary Zemek from followingthetruth.com. We've been going through the stories of people in uh, the Bible who have gone through all kinds of struggles and difficulties and what their uh, spiritual journeys, as it were, today in a literal sense, can tell us about uh, how to uh, see God in our own lives. Gary, good morning. Hey, Matt. Good morning. I mentioned spiritual journeys because uh, today we get to talk about the road to Emmaus and a couple of disciples who are actually on a physical walking journey out of town, right, when we meet them. So yeah. if you could, give us a sort of the backdrop of this story before we dig into it. Yeah, boy, I'll tell you what, Matt, this is a great story. This is the story of, as you said, two disciples traveling on the road to a town called Emmaus. We read this in the 24th chapter of Luke's Gospel. This occurred after the death and, and the resurrection of Jesus. But they weren't aware of this at the time. They are bummed out. They're depressed because the, their Redeemer just died on the cross. The one who they had hoped would redeem Israel, he had just died on the cross. They were distraught. They were, they were you know, aimless. They, their dreams had been shattered. And then, lo and behold, Jesus walks with them. He joins them on the journey, even though they don't know it's him. And we get to eavesdrop on the journey. On the, the dialogue between the disciples and Jesus himself, ultimately they, they realize that it's Jesus, then he disappears. Uh, you know, it's such a great story because it reminds us of the fact that oftentimes when our dreams don't go the way we planned, when things don't go the way we expected, we get discouraged, we get depressed, we, we feel hopeless. This story reminds us that Jesus meets us, in those times, even though we might not be aware of his presence, and if we have that dialogue with him, if, he, if we try to reach out to him, we're going to encounter him, and then we just may realize that his dreams for us are better than the dreams we had for ourselves. I love this story for so many reasons, uh, but I want to talk about the awareness factor here, because 
they, yeah. I wonder how long Jesus let them go on in terms of like what the how many hours <laughs> it took uh, before yeah. he yeah lets them know who he is. Like I, I mean, I wonder if somebody were to hit the stopwatch and you know, it's kind of a microcosm of of what every Christian life is like, people thinking that, you know, God is not paying attention, God doesn't care. All the time, the Lord is walking alongside of us, and we're just not aware of it. And only, you know, after a good long while uh, does he kind of do something to break in and say, just so you know, I was with you the whole time. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think we could all sort yeah. of relate yeah. to that experience. And I think it's really, really cool that the Lord sort of draws it out of them. He he plays along with them. Oh, what things are you talking about? You know, so that we can see uh, what's going on in their minds, so we can we can hear that those thoughts expressed to Jesus by them, even though they don't they don't realize it's him. That thought of like we we hope that that you were good, that our, he was going to be the redeemer. He would free us from Roman oppression. Our lives were going to be different. This is the way it should be. And now, oh well, now all of our dreams are dead. But we get that insight by that dialogue that they're having with Jesus. And ultimately, the, the really neat thing is he does reveal himself to them, and they do recognize at some point that it is him, and they realize that things are a lot better than they thought at first. You know what's fascinating to me? Well, I mean, there are a number of things that are fascinating to me about this, uh, including all the layers of this that uh, I didn't recognize until I became Catholic. Uh, but... Jesus is by their side, walking alongside them, even though they're going in the wrong direction, like the literally opposite mm. direction of where they should be going. He still manages to walk alongside right. them and, and and accompany them. Right, exactly. It, it, you know, it's a good reminder for us that even when we take a wrong turn, the Lord's going to, he's not going to give up on us. He's going to keep seeking us out, and he'll meet us where we are with the hopes of bringing us back to where we should be. He no matter how bad we mess up. And, and you know, that's one of the, the themes that I, I like to highlight throughout this book, is that no matter how bad we mess up, no matter how bad somebody else messes up and it affects us, no matter how bad our circumstances are, it's never too late. It is not hopeless. And these stories serve as proof that the Lord's He's there, even though we don't see Him, even though we don't see the goodness in what we're going through. He's there and he can bring good out of whatever it is that we're facing. Well, there's another, I think, important lesson from this story, because after having walked with them in, an, in a way that they did not perceive for all that time, and then he reveals himself to them in a powerful way in the breaking of the bread, uh, I mean, he doesn't say, hey, guys, it's me, you know, and they're like, oh, that's right. amazing, Jesus why don't you walk back to Jerusalem with us? No, he's gone, <laughs> right? He is, yeah. uh, you know, he's yes. been made known to them in the breaking of the bread, which is like a deeply Eucharistic passage and encounter here. Yeah. But then, you know, they have to kind of take that experience and build on that without him, you know, kind of like visibly among them in the way that he was when they were on that trip. So, I mean, we get these flashes of things, but they don't, they don't usually stay with us. We kind of have to, you know, identify these touch points of encounter and, and and weave them together instead of, I mean, because Christ doesn't, I mean, he's not going to be riding in the passenger seat in his, you know, <laughs> full humanity and full divinity with us today. So we kind of have to ride on right. what we've been given at various points. Exactly. And that's why we shouldn't get discouraged when we, and, and, and I, I talk to people about this a lot because it's something that I, I've struggled with, 
when we shouldn't get discouraged when we attend Mass and we might not feel anything, even after we receive Jesus in the Eucharist. Sometimes we're not going to feel anything, but through faith, that, that, that strength of belief that we have, we can believe that it's Jesus, and eventually we're going to get to know Him better, and our confidence in Him will grow, and our confidence in His real presence will grow, even if we don't always feel it. But I think you make a key point here is we're going to have to do some work. That's what walking by faith is all about. It's not just right before our eyes where we see as if there's no work on our part to be done. I look outside, I see a tree. I don't have to work too hard to recognize that that's a tree. But recognizing the hidden Jesus in the Eucharist, that takes a little more effort. And also, we don't want to forget that through all of the sacraments, we have an encounter with Jesus. So when I go to confession and the priest absolves me in the, in the person of Christ of my sins, I might not see Jesus, I might not really feel like he's there, but that's him, that's that, that mysterious, that mystical encounter with the Lord. But unless I, I'm willing to be open and do a little work, I could easily miss his presence. Yeah, it's a powerful thing to reflect upon, and one of the coolest stories of the resurrected Jesus in all of Scripture. Gary Zimak, if our listeners want to connect with you, get a copy of your book. How do they do so? The easiest thing to do, Matt, is go right to my website, followingthetruth.com. And the book is called When Your Days Are Dark, God Is Still Good. It's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Gary, thanks as always. Talk to you again soon. All right, my friend. Thank you. God bless. Anna Mitchell and Dr. Matthew Bunsen are up next talking about the latest regarding the Synod and the Instrumentum Laboris. We'll even tell you what that word means. Those words mean it is a quarter till. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. EWTN is everywhere. EWTN radio programming is provided free of charge to over 500 domestic and international AM and FM radio stations. It's a great teaching tool for Catholics and non-Catholics alike. For a complete list of EWTN AM and FM stations across America, visit EWTNradio.net. At the bottom of the page, click Affiliates. 
EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. Hi, this is Janet Williams. Please join us for Women of Grace today at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on EWTN Radio. Wipe that sleep out of your eyes and now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 13 till. The Sunrise Morning Show continues and Dr. Matthew Bunsen is joining us again. He's vice president and editorial director for EWTN News. Good morning, Doc. Good morning. Very good to be with you. It is very good to have you. And the Instrumentum Laboris, or working document, which will guide the discussions uh, when the gathering for the Synod on Synodality gets underway in Rome in October, has just been released. I want to start off asking, how has the Church understood the idea of synodality through the centuries, and how does this working document represent or, or indicate perhaps an attempt to, to shift that understanding? Yeah, well, the Francis uh, himself, uh, going all the way back to 2015, uh, used the term synodality uh, quite a bit, as we all know. Uh, it really made an appearance uh, at the end of the Synod on Youth uh, in 2018. And now it's become, I think, one of the, the pillars of uh, this pontificate. As Pope Francis describes it, uh, it is uh, the idea of a synod or synodality is journeying together, it's a coming together. And it is uh, a listening, it is accompaniment. Uh, as the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith, I think back in 2018, described it, it's the action of the Spirit in the communion of the body of Christ and the missionary journey of the people of God. Now, we can see some elements of that in this instrument in Laboris, uh, but I think one of the big challenges that the, the Holy Father has had and the organizers of the Synod on Synodality have had really from the beginning is articulating precisely what that means in practical ecclesiological terms, uh, let alone practical execution terms. <laughs> Yeah, so it should be noted that whoever is going to be at this assembly in October, we don't know who they will be yet. They just haven't been announced. But they will be having a, quote, conversation in the spirit. What does that mean? Well, what it means uh, is, uh, I think Cardinal Mario Grech, uh, yesterday in his uh, press conference, uh, was at some pains to, to point out and to remind everyone that the Instrumentum itself is not a magisterial document, right. so that, that needs to be stressed here. But one of the things that the, he talks about is that uh, the Holy Father is insisting uh, on a synodal process for what he describes as a synodal church, and they know that when you hear the word synodal repeated multiple times in a sentence, it starts to, to sort of blur. But he said because he wants the church, the Holy Father, they become more spiritual, and, and they always stress that the protagonist of the synodal church is the Holy Spirit, and that there are certain signs of the synodal church, as he puts it. It's the church of listening, of encounter, and dialogue, of openness, of welcoming, and embracing to all. Now, that means listening. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean, or does not mean, as far as uh, the Holy Father has certainly stressed, massive changes to the teachings of the Church. Yeah, so uh, with that in mind, then, what sort of things will they be discussing? 
Well, the instrument in itself uh, lists uh, in two parts. One is a discussion of synodality and uh, the vision of Holy Father for this. The second is a series of discernment questions, and I think that's where uh, a number of eyebrows were raised uh, once the instrument was released, because there are a number of areas that... uh, are there that uh, I think are considered controversial. One is uh, the outreach to the so-called LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. The other is the role of women in the life of the Church, and the document does state very specifically and ask the question, should it uh, be possible to consider uh, a diaconate uh, for women? It also asks the question, uh, would it be possible to consider in certain areas of the Church and end the priestly celibacy? But the biggest uh, area of discussion, I think, in terms of the discernment questions, is the issue of authority in the Church, and finding new ways, it says, uh, for leadership to be exercised, the exercise of authority and responsibility in the Church, and that one, I think, is the most significant aspect of this instrumental. Yeah, talk about this issue, or this this theme of authority, and, and why it will be significant moving forward. Well, I think that the discussions relating to uh, synodality, if we're talking about listening, if we're talking about uh, a process of discernment and how we walk together, uh, one of the questions that is asked is, all right, then, if uh, there is this push for greater listening, how does that impact the exercise of authority in the Church? And the word authority itself, actually, in 50 times, uh, it appears in the text. And it asks some pretty significant questions, I think. But one is, for example, in, in every age, the exercise of authority and responsibility within the Church is influenced by the prevailing management models and the imagery of power in society. So it asks, how can we become aware of this and exercise an evangelical discernment, as it puts it? It also asks a question, and this, this is another one that I think has raised a number of eyebrows, is what can we learn about the exercise of authority and responsibility from other churches and ecclesial communities? Mm. And let's be clear about what we as Catholics understand ecclesial communities to mean. That would be uh, churches like the Lutherans uh, and the Church of England. So essentially we're asking what can we learn from them uh, about authority and responsibility. Well, I can uh, tell it, you it, what we've <laughs> learned from them about authority and responsibility. Go on, Dr. Bunsen, sorry. Well, yes, exactly. Uh, and one other interesting question that did catch my eye is it asks the question, what stimuli from indigenous minority and the press culture can help us to rethink our decision-making processes? So, in other words, it's asking us uh, uh, what would be uh, ways that we can rethink how we have leadership in the Church or authority in the Church by listening to these other groups. Uh, so, as you can imagine, these, these are very open-ended conversations, and we have to keep coming back to the fact that, as they say, is not a magisterial document. The Holy Father has repeatedly said that we're not looking at making changes to the teachings of the Church, but how we can be more transparent uh, and have voices heard in the life of the Church. So we take that uh, as our starting point for discussions, we hope. Okay, this is where I just get confused, Dr. Bunsen, and I don't know if you can parse this out to to help me and and maybe listeners in a similar mindset understand if 
if they're just trying to listen more, and what is, why are they asking questions like, should there be a women's diaconate or a married priesthood? If this is something that they, they're not looking to alter church teaching, why are we even asking the question? I mean, what is the point of listening if we know that it's, you know what I mean? Yes, uh, and it's it's a fair question. It's one I think that uh, many people are asking. It it assumes an important um, well assumption, uh, and that is that uh, there is no desire to change the teachings of the church, uh, but uh, that those who are concerned about this are trying to be heard in the life of the church. Hmm. Now, it raises obvious risks. Uh, and we're going to, I think this adds even greater importance to who exactly is going to be participating in this synodal yeah. discussion come October. Well, when that list gets released, Dr. Bunsen, you can bet that you will be uh, asked back on to the Sunrise Morning Show to uh, tell us more about who will be in these discussions. In the meantime, go read the Catholic News Agency's story on the working document, which is uh, really good. Um, summary of of everything catholicnewsagency.com Dr. Bunsen, thank you so much Good to be with you, take care Keep praying Yes, absolutely, thank you so much Doc Alright, we got another hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up for most of our affiliates here on EWTN Radio Radio.com It is Wednesday, the 21st of June. It's the Feast of St. Aloysius Gonzaga, one of the early Jesuits uh, in the order, the first days of the order. Let's pray for his intercession today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. O God, dispenser of heavenly gifts, you united in the angelic youth Aloysius, a wonderful innocence with a no less wonderful spirit of penance. Grant us, by virtue of his merits and prayers, the grace to imitate his penance, whose innocence we have not practiced. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. St. Aloysius Gonzaga, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. We'll talk more synod stuff now that we've got an instrumentum laboris with Father Philip Michael Tangora, who has a canon law background. He's actually, it's, it's more significant than that. He's got a canon law degree. Dr. Jim Schrader will be along. Uh, more thoughts on the Iron Man and uh, various physical activities. Um, we're going to talk about some of that, but also about how to be more productive. Uh, and stop spinning your wheels so much in life. Father Thomas Berg is going to be along as well. He's going to talk about choosing forgiveness. He's got a new book about it, and this is, a, uh, I think, an issue that all of us deal with pretty significantly on a daily basis. So looking forward to having Father Berg on to talk about that. Right now it is two minutes past. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. 
Good morning. The Holy See has released the Instrumentum Laboris, or working document, that will guide the discussions when participants gather in Rome in October for the first of two assemblies in the Synod on Synodality. From Vatican Radio, Sister Bernadette Reese has more. Deliberately conceived as a starting point rather than the destination, the Instrumentum Laboris brings together the experiences of dioceses around the world collected over the last two years. The Instrumentum Laboris is intended as an aid for discernment during the General Assembly in October, while at the same time serving as a means of preparation for those who will participate in the gathering. Indeed, the purpose of the synodal process, the document states, repeating the words of the earlier document for the continental stage, is not to produce documents, but to open horizons of hope for the fulfillment of the Church's mission. The Instrumentum Laboris is composed of an explanatory text and 15 worksheets that reveal a dynamic vision of the concept of synodality. Specifically, the main sections are Section A, which highlights the experience of the past two years and indicates a way forward to become an ever more synodal church. Section B, entitled Communion, Mission, Participation, focuses on the three priority issues which will form the core of the work to be done in October 2023. These are elaborated in three main themes, growing in communion by welcoming everyone, excluding no one, recognizing and valuing the contribution of every baptized person in view of mission, and identifying governance structures and dynamics through which to articulate participation and authority over time in a missionary synodal church. Rooted in this awareness, the Instrumentum Laboris affirms, is the desire for a church that is also increasingly synodal in its institutions, structures, and procedures. I'm Sister Bernadette Rees. President Biden and Vice President Harris will be participating in a campaign event on Friday to mark the one-year anniversary of the Supreme Court's overturning of Roe v. Wade. The event will include pro-abortion groups and will be held in Washington, D.C. a day before the actual anniversary of the Dobbs v. Jackson women's health ruling. This weekend in North Carolina as well, Vice President Harris is slated to give a major speech to rally abortion supporters. The governor of Pennsylvania says traffic will begin flowing along Interstate 95 again this coming weekend. A portion of the busy highway has been closed since a bridge collapsed last week due to a tanker truck fire. While giving an update on repairs yesterday, Governor Josh Shapiro said paving could begin today. The National Hurricane Center says Tropical Storm Brett is getting stronger as it heads toward the Caribbean. Forecasters say the storm's winds have increased to nearly 60 miles per hour. Brett is expected to move across portions of the Lesser Antilles by tomorrow afternoon and tomorrow evening and then move across the eastern Caribbean Sea on Friday where it should pass south of the Dominican Republic. South Florida immigration advocates want the Biden administration to grant new temporary protected status designation for Nicaragua. Trey Thomas has more. Immigration advocate Thomas Kennedy says it will protect them from deportation and give them the benefit of employment authorization. You know, we need uh, the administration uh, at the federal level to do more than talk and walk the walk. Last week, the Biden administration announced the extension of TPS for Nicaraguans living in the U.S. since Hurricane Mitch in 1998. But without the redesignation, thousands of others already living here remain at risk. I'm Troy Thomas. 
And Pope Francis has written a message to those participating in the Vatican Observatory's Summer School of Astrophysics, telling them to always be inspired by a love for the truth. The Holy Father reflected on the wonder that can come from all that we can learn with the advanced technology of today. And he said, perhaps the most amazing thing about this universe is that it contains creatures like us, men and women, who possess the ability to observe it with wonder and to interrogate it. He said to them, my hope is that you will not remain content with the results of your research until you have also had the experience of being surprised, saying, may you be inspired always by the love for truth and awestruck by all that each fragment of the universe sets before you. Wait a second, Anna Mitchell. What? Did the Pope say that the universe contains creatures like us? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, he means us. Us. Ah, I thought we were getting an official church statement on aliens. Oh, well. Oh, Matt. You see how you could take it both ways, though. Mm-hmm. The universe contains creatures like us. Creatures. Wait a second. Creatures like us. Man. Or creatures the Pope said that like the us. Universe can, I mean, I'm waiting for some, some headline writer to run with that. Eats, shoots, and leaves. Everyday people like you or, and me. Eats, shoots, and leaves. That's right. What? The panda walks in and eats, shoots, and leaves. So it's all about the punctuation. It's all, all about, about the, punctuation. the punctuation. Well, today is Wednesday, the 21st of June, the Feast of St. Aloysius of Gonzaga. Happy feast to all the Aloysiuses, Aloysiuses listening this morning. The Luigis. So, uh, yeah. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Philip Michael Tangori. He's a pastor, a canon lawyer, joins us from New Jersey to talk about all kinds of things that hit the news that require a critical eye to understand. Father, how are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. How are you, Matt? A little sleepy. I've been reading the Instrumentum Laboris, and I feel like I need a case of Red Bulls to get through some of this stuff. Uh, <laughs> you know, when it comes to um, these documents... You know, we're we're kind of invited to all sort of participate in this process, and I think we all want to, you know, kind of know what's going on and know what's being said. But uh, it can be very difficult for a layperson to get through some of the jargon here. I wonder if you can maybe say uh, or speak to some of the things that you've noticed from just your first quick read of it. Okay, so my main first perception was that. Um, and I, and I want to make, I wanted to say this real quick. I am all in favor of greater, um, admittance into different structures of the church, of the lay people and of, uh, women. I think that the gifts and talents, the particular perceptions, uh, and, and view that they would offer would be wonderful for the success of the mission of the church. All right. That said, it's very interesting, because the Vatican Information Services, when they had their statement that with the release of the Instrumentum Laboris, they made it very much that the Church is lacking credibility, especially because of the sex abuse scandal, financial corruption, different things of this sort. And that was the justification for the greater need for synodality at all levels, of the structures of the Church. And the need for 
synodality seems to be, therefore, based on reform to restore credibility. So I have a few questions. First of all, um, what if there were no scandals? Would we still need synodality? One other question. Uh, so the Church is the instrument and sacrament of salvation. Paragraph 1, first line of Lumen Gentium, the dogmatic constitution of the Church in Vatican II. So is it the instrument and sacrament of salvation that needs reform to restore credibility, or members of the Church that need reform, the hearts and minds of the faithful in the Church, even those who are amongst leadership that need reform? Because it seems we are looking at some pretty sweeping structural changes. You know? Yeah. So when it comes to this, I mean, I have so many questions myself. Um, I'm seeing some really important things said in this document that I think are, are uh, I mean, I'm, I agree with wholeheartedly, but I can also see how people could yeah. take them and make them say almost whatever they want. So, for instance, I was looking at, uh, you know, starting around paragraph 46 going through 50. I mean, this is really some some powerful stuff to us to reflect upon upon communion is not some sociological coming together as members of an identity uh, identity group but it's a gift of the triune mm -hmm. god uh, right uh, you know what they're talking about how we're not supposed to be looking at this synod as though we would be looking at a representative and legislative parliament but as a shared liturgical action that uh you know understands the church is getting its whole life from the eucharist i'm like amen brother why'd you have to bury it in so much jargon <laughs> because now people can take <laughs> the jargon right and it's sort of a symbol of their own view of of how this should work based on kind of like uh i don't know like a corporate speak generator because i think it's it gets i don't know to me some of this gets buried i i agree there is some very good stuff in there and i i i would love to see like i said i had that you know like i just said before i went into a little bit of a critical view of things um i agree with the need to uh, address some of these sweeping uh, things and to uh, increase that sense of a Eucharistic center, uh, a, a, a church that is listening, a church that is going to be focused uh, as a common uh, group of people moving together. I think all those kinds of things are very, very important. Uh, it just seems to me that, it, like, it, it almost, it's like saying the whole church needs this reform. However, is, I, I wonder, are we going to go through a structural reform and the same kind of things could still uh, be the corrupting influences? So granted, okay, maybe it won't be a bishop or a cardinal or a monsignor who's the corrupting uh, influence, but, you know, let's be honest, lay people and women can also do bad things. And so it, it seems like just because we're changing some of these uh, structures or we're uh, broadening the potential membership base for some of these different structures and the kinds of that we're going to, people we're going to be listening to and engaged in, and I think that's very positive, uh, it, it also could just be looked at as virtue signaling because it's just bringing in uh, a broader base, but it's not necessarily uh, affecting the actual reform of the heart and the mind. And that's what I, I think most needs to occur. And that's why, you know, it's important, like they're saying, that the Eucharist be the center of everything. But at the same time, if there's not that 
individual personal reform occurring than just broadening the structures to include women and lay people and stuff like that is not necessarily going to bring about uh, a real uh, reform that the Church does need. Well, you're saying what the Church has kind of already always sort of known about itself in various ways is that uh, the Church is not reformed and the world is not changed by bureaucracy. It's changed by the saints. <laughs> you know, I mean, this I, is exactly. kind of how, how it works, uh, you know, throughout the course of history. And, you know, I wish I could come up with, like, the proper bureaucracy uh, to suggest to the Synod to say, His, this is the uh, tried-and-true formula for making a saint. But unfortunately, uh, that's kind of <laughs> in the—that uh, ball's in my court, <laughs> right? I mean, that's, yeah, that's yeah. kind of on me to figure out how, how I live this stuff. I mean, I don't know a program or a structure. People talk to me all the time. I'm sure they talk to you all the time. What book can I give to this person to turn them into a better person? I'm like, I don't know, man. I can't figure it out in my own life. Exactly. That's why, you know, I almost wonder, like, are we focusing too much on structural change instead of the the change of the heart and the mind? And I think that that's, 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 my, that's one of my questions. I mean, I know that they want to restore credibility to the Church but, and thwart future corruption, but it just seems that... I, you're always going to have evil. It's the reality of the fall and state of things that we live in, you know? And so uh, do we need to have so many structural changes? Uh, I mean, is that, is, it really, is that really going to be the efficacious means for thwarting yeah. corruption and scandal and well, restoring credibility? Uh the lives of the saints speak through the centuries and uh, let us know that yep. it just takes a couple of people who do what Jesus actually said and live how he actually called us to live to uh, impact and resound through the ages. So thanks so much, Father Phil. Have a great day. All right. God bless everybody. I mean, it only takes a couple of people, but it'd be great if we all, if we all were on that program. We're back with headlines right after this. It's 16 past. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the monk shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. 
Wherever you are in the world, you can access the EWTN Global Catholic Network. It's everywhere. You can get EWTN's great Catholic programming on your car radio, at home on your TV, computer, or smart speaker. With EWTN's app, you can take EWTN everywhere on your phone or mobile device. If you want your news in print, turn to EWTN's paper of record, the National Catholic Register. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. 18 past. Here's Anna with headlines. The Holy See has released the Instrumentum Laboris, or working document, for the Synod on Synodality. President Biden and Vice President Harris will be participating in a campaign event on Friday, a pro-abortion one, to mark the one-year anniversary of the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And Pope Francis has written a message to those participating in the Vatican Observatory's Summer School of Astrophysics. That would be a fun summer camp. Yes, it would. And by the way, I just want to get in before whatever you want to talk about, Matt. Okay. I would like to wish a happy birthday to my Archbishop, Dennis Schnur, who turns... Oh, happy birthday, Archbishop Schnur. Who turns 75 today. Oh, my goodness. Which means he is required to submit his resignation to the Pope. That doesn't mean that the Pope is going to accept it, but I just want our listeners here in the Archdiocese of Cincinnati... To know that that is today. Well, you gotta, if you didn't buy a card, maybe you should make one. I know. Well, I'm gonna, you know, write an email. Well, I might make a card. That would be fun. You should do that. You should do that. Have Paul color it in for you. That would be neat. Yeah. That's a great I like that idea. idea. I like that Paul's idea. like, what? Today, the Feast of St. Aloysius Gonzaga, by the way, and uh, a lot of you who have Jesuit connections or Jesuit educated or have gone to institutions named for him. And, you know, we were talking with Father Phil a moment ago about how the saints changed the world and their impact goes through the centuries much more than, you know, well, as as G.K. Chesterton once said, I've searched all the squares and all the cities and seen no statues of committees, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Aloysius Gonzaga is not like, let's form a committee to think about like this. He's like, you know what? There's a plague. I'm going to go help these people mm-hmm. now myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually tended plague victims in Rome in the outbreak of 1591. And he caught the disease that killed him at age 23 while working with the suffering. Imagine that. I mean, that's a pretty powerful yeah. witness. Imagine being age 23 and saying, I don't care if I'm risking my own life. I'm going to go help the people who people. need it the most. Yeah. May we get that kind of courage in our own lives. Have that kind of St. Aloysius Gonzaga, pray for us season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. A meditation from St. Augustine's Confessions. Late have I loved you, O beauty ever ancient, ever new. Late have I loved you. 
You were within me, but I was outside, and it was there that I searched for you. In my unloveliness, I plunged into the lovely things which you created. You were with me, but I was not with you. Created things kept me from you, yet if they had not been in you, they would have been not at all. You called, you shouted, and you broke through my deafness. You flashed, you shone, and you dispelled my blindness. You breathed your fragrance on me. I drew in breath, and now I pant for you. I have tasted you, now I hunger and thirst for more. You touched me, and I burned for your peace. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Father Mark Watkins, pastor of St. Lawrence. Now by Dr. Jim Schrader, and he's got a piece over at Alatea on 10 secrets to help you avoid burnout. We're not going to get fully into all 10 of them, but these are some helpful things. Dr. Schrader, good morning. Yeah, good morning. So I've already failed at point number one. Apparently one of the <laughs> one of the top things fail. to avoid burnout is you better get some sleep. Man, I'm telling you what, I got to work on this one. Well, and this is a tough one for all of us, right? I mean, we are ordained by God to sleep about 25 to 27 years of our life. And I mean, there's a lot of reasons why we don't sleep as well, and, and life is busy. And um, and by the way, one thing I want to say that this piece is on Alatea and my website. There's a lot of links to go in deeper, because these are, these are difficult things, right? We can't just you know, cover it in 10 minutes. And so, But the sleep piece is interesting. I think the biggest thing about sleep is we get really, really focused on the number of hours that we sleep, and sometimes we're going to fail that. What we actually should be focused more on is the way that we prioritize sleep. So by, like, what's in our bedroom, what are our habits, those are the things we can actually control. And, and by controlling those and having a good routine and having good what we call sleep hygiene, sleep itself will come much better. But very often we just don't set it up as well as we probably need to. Well, some of these things uh, we've talked about before, so I'm going to kind of race right. through them. Uh, so eating healthy, for sure, that's something we can control, even if we don't feel like controlling it, right? Uh, right? Same thing with devices. Those are things that we can control, our device usage, even if we don't feel like controlling it. Same thing with exercise. A lot of the times, for a lot of people, there are things that we can do, get up, walk around, uh, you know, that sort of thing. But I want to talk about silence because that is one that sometimes it is very difficult for us to control especially if we got families yeah absolutely i think this is one that it's easy when you're busy to kind of let go of and that we struggle a lot with and but the thing about silence is there is no way that we can get away from it and truly truly kind of understand ourselves and our relationship with god and i think that what the encouragement here is that it doesn't have to be long long periods of silence like you might be at work and, you know, it takes five minutes to walk outside, and you may just need to walk around and without your phone, without anything else. And nothing's going to be perfectly silent. You know, we live in a vacuum for the most part here. But, um, but just kind of figure, figuring out how am I going to have at least some silence every day, even in small pockets, is really key. And the one thing, the point I make here is that, you know, even the best spiritual direction, even the best kind of information and theology we can get, does not replace our need to have that, those silence mo- silent moments with God. And I think that sometimes we think, oh, if I'm getting great instruction and I'm doing all the right things going to Mass and everything else, that'll replace that need. But when you look at even all the saints and all the theology that we really know, nothing replaces that at all. Yeah. Well, so we've done about half of these. Uh, some of these are, are also 
I mean, obviously, prayer is another one that you have on your list. If you're trying to avoid burnout, you have to have a prayer life because you can't. If you're running on an empty tank, <laughs> you know it's just kind of hard to hard to have any spiritual juice. But I want to talk about the last thing you have on this list, and maybe spend a little bit of time with it. Is really having a sense of your identity. And yeah, we're, this... we're, we're going to come up on. I mean, the reason I ask this is because we're coming up faster and faster on the next round of elections and. There are a lot of things that are being decided based on popular opinion. They want to break us down into, who are you? Uh, well, you are this age group. You are from this generation. You're millennial or Gen X or a boomer, <laughs> right? right? We want to get, people want to define us by literally anything except for our baptism. That's exactly right. Yeah, first of all, they want to define us by the demographics, right? And then we can start to get into the idea that we do have a lot of great callings and roles in our lives. And that's, I talk about this here, whether you're, you know, a priest or a parent or your sister or brother, or whether, you know, a spouse, whatever. I mean, those are huge roles and callings in our life. But we have to remember that, again, those are callings and vocation, but they're, they're not your being. And at your core, all of us, the number one thing we are is we're a child of God. And I think that over the years I've had some really, really powerful experiences where I have been, let's say, going through periods of time that I've been so busy or I've kind of felt down or just overwhelmed. And I've had, I feel like God has brought this back to me to remind me that in those periods of time, I'm not first and foremost, you know, a spouse or a son or, a, you know, whatever else, a friend. I'm at first and foremost at my being, I'm a child of God. And you can't work out the other way. Like, you can't start with your callings and vocations and try to work inward and think that that's the way it's going to, you know, work well. You have to start with your being. Again, the being is a child of God and work outward from there. That's the only way it works. And I, by working, what I mean is from a psychological adjustment standpoint, from how you treat your body, from how you do everything that's really important, that has to be your root. That has to be your starting point for everything. Well, I think about one of the things that burns us out really fast is just stress and anxiety over the stuff that we see in the news and identities being pitted against one another and watching the you know, the ad-driven industry, the politics-driven right. industry tell us, okay, this is this group over here. You're either in this group or you're an enemy of this group, <laughs> right? That's right. And so seeing all that, I think it burns us out to, to look around even our neighborhood and say, oh, that's the person that has that bumper sticker. That's the person that has that sign. Or that's the person that wears this shirt that says this thing on it. It's exhausting to try and categorize and label every person in your life like that. And if you start with the, I am a child of God, you know, premise, I feel like it makes it a little easier for you to say, well, they may have some ideas I disagree with, but that person's a child of God, too. That's right. There's no conflict in the child of God, right? <laughs> we all look around, we're all children of the same God, and we're like, hey, I can start there and not be in conflict at all. And from there, I'm going to work outward and find a better place to, you know, deal with the conflicts that do exist. Well, you mentioned people can find this article, 10 Tips for Dealing with Burnout. How so? Yeah, they can do it, I'll tell you, but they can go on my website, james-trader.com. And again, there's a lot more links embedded with each of these 10 to kind of help us think through how do we put this into our uh, habits of our daily life. All right. Thanks so much. We've got it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Thanks a lot. And by the way, while you're at our site, you can enter your email and subscribe. You'll get show notes delivered to your inbox every morning, including tomorrow's recipe from Rita Heikenfeld embedded in there. Go to sunrisemorningshow.com, enter your email address, and uh, we'll put you on the list. Get those show notes delivered to your inbox every day. Half past the hour, here's Anna with news.
Good morning. The Holy See has released the Instrumentum Laboris, or working document, that will guide the discussions when participants gather in Rome in October for the first of two assemblies in the Synod on Synodality, this October and next October. Bishop Daniel Flores, who has been in charge of the synodal process for the United States, welcomed the document. He said in a statement, quote, the Instrumentum Laboris presents the people of God with a remarkable opportunity to reflect on what we have learned thus far about the nature of a synodal church and how we might embrace that more fully, end quote. President Biden and Vice President Harris will be participating in a pro-abortion campaign event on Friday to mark the one-year anniversary of the ruling in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health, which overturned Roe v. Wade. The event will include pro-abortion groups and will be held in Washington, D.C., a day before the actual anniversary of the Dobbs decision. This weekend in North Carolina, meanwhile, Vice President Harris is slated to give a major speech to rally pro-abortion supporters. The Pentagon says an accounting error revealed last month overvalued military aid to Ukraine by roughly $6.2 billion dollars. More from Brian Shook. It was announced Tuesday that the error includes fiscal years 2022 and 2023 when the U.S. transferred weaponry. Services used replacement costs rather than net book value, according to officials. That resulted in overestimating the value of the equipment drawn down from the U.S. stocks and provided to Ukraine. The final calculation of the error exceeds the $3 billion that the Pentagon previously estimated. I'm Brian Shook. The Defense Department is now assisting in the search for a missing vessel used to explore Titanic wreckage. DOD spokesperson Sabrina Singh told reporters yesterday that C-130 aircrafts are conducting search flights over the area. She said the Navy has been coordinating with the Coast Guard, which is leading the search. The Coast Guard says underwater noise has been detected. It's believed the submersible is less has less than 30 hours of oxygen left it went missing on sunday with five people on board yesterday marked world refugee day pope francis highlighted the day during his sunday angelus address when he prayed for the migrants who recently drowned off the coast of greece nearly 100 people were confirmed dead and many more missing including around 100 children there were about 700 people reportedly on board the ship. Pope Francis said on Sunday, I reiterate my prayer for those who have lost their lives, and I implore that everything possible always be done to prevent similar tragedies. Pope Francis has written a message to those participating in the Vatican Observatory's summer school. Linda Bordoni reports. Pope Francis was recovering in hospital last week after undergoing surgery when he penned his message of greetings and appreciation to this year's participants in the Vatican Observatory Summer School. Never, he said to them, lose the sense of wonder in your research and in your lives as you continue to observe the universe with increasingly sophisticated tools. The summer school in Castel Gandolfo that is back after a five-year hiatus due in part to the COVID-19 pandemic was established in 1986 for young astronomers and has always enjoyed the support of the popes. The Holy Father observed that recently developed scientific tools such as the new James Webb Space Telescope offers astrophysicists the possibility to see how the universe 
continues to expand and change before our eyes. As young scholars at the dawn of the 21st century, he continued, you seek in the course of this summer school to grasp something of that vast expanse and to develop methods capable of better digesting and understanding the constant flow of new data. But he also highlighted how new tools are insufficient if used without wisdom and expertise. And he invited the young astronomers who observe reality through the window of astronomy not to neglect the other windows that, he said, can reveal other important realities like compassion and love. I'm Linda Bordoni. That's the news, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on EWTN Radio. It's 35 past the hour. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the monk shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, after Christ had remained 40 days on earth, whither did he go? Some would suggest that after 40 days in Palestine, Christ went to America. There's no good evidence for that. After his resurrection... He only appeared to his disciples a few times because his resurrected body was, as it were, too beautiful for them to behold for a long period of time. They already misunderstood him, and so he said, When I leave, I will send you a spirit, a counselor, who would teach you all things. And then, according to Scripture, after Christ took his disciples to a high mountain, he was taken up by a cloud, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead, and he will not return from his Father until that time. When Christ ascended into heaven, he went straight there. His heart was so longing to be with his Father that it was a straight shot. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. Welcome back to the Sunrise Morning Show. Father Thomas Berg, he's got a new book out from our Sunday visitor, Choosing Forgiveness, Unleash the Power of God's Grace. Father, welcome back to the show. Good morning. Great to be with you, Annie. It is great to have you, and I understand that this little book just received a pretty nice honor from the Catholic Medical Association. Yeah, it got uh, uh, Best Book in uh, Healing and Self-Help, which was... That was a nice surprise to wake up to this morning. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations. So let's talk about this book a little bit. Um, First of all, how would you define forgiveness? Uh, Yeah, that's a great question. Um, And I think there's a number of ways to to go about it. But it's, it's, as we explain in the first chapter, um, 
when we're struggling to forgive someone, um, what we're really missing is uh, a certain kind of what we call validation from that other person. There's, we want that recognition. Sometimes that comes in the form of an apology, and that's when the person recognizes that they did something to us, and they admit it, and they own up to it, uh, and they kind of validate the harm. And forgiveness is, in a sense, offering up and letting go of that demand of that need to be validated in that way. And, and to do that is actually wonderfully fr freeing and, a, and most especially um, as a gift of God's grace, that's mm. that when we're able to let go of that, a lot of times we talk about forgiving as kind of letting go, but it's well, the, what, what are we letting go of? It's, it's really that need that this other person kind of validate the harm and recognize it. And we can, we can let go of that and kind of, uh, in a sense, let lay down our demand for that. Um, and in that, yeah, it, it becomes very freeing. And um, we become free of, of kind of holding that demand on that person. There's also um, a, a wonderful kind of African way of uh, expressing what, um, you know, when we're not, when we're holding a grudge against someone, uh, the, the, the expression is, I don't know exactly the origin of it, but, um, when you, when you fail to forgive someone, you're kind of carrying that person on your back. Oh, <laughs> that's wow. kind of, that's yeah. kind of a very wonderfully African way of you're, you're, you're carrying that person around with you all, all, all the time. And forgiveness is it's, it's getting that person off your, off your back in mm. a sense. So there's so there's I think there's different ways of of defining it, but but really it's it's this inner inner letting go. And the point we make in the book is that it really um, it really takes God's grace, and God is very interested in in giving us that, empowering us, and giving us that grace to do precisely that. Yeah, and I want to get to that in a little bit. We're going to be taking two segments to talk about this book today um, and beginning a series on it. But um, for now, I want to ask you, why is it so hard to do that, to get it off of our backs, as, as you were saying? <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's really the question. It's, um, it, it's just hard, and it can be uh, a real slog. And, um, and it's interesting, as someone told me at a, a cocktail party one, one time, as we, we just finished writing the book, and they said, well, Gosh, Father, nobody writes a book about forgiveness without a good reason. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I, I wow. you know, I, so I have to recognize myself, but also all of us. It, it is a kind of a universal struggle. And I'm often skeptical of, you know, persons who kind of say, well, no, you know, I'm good. I, I really don't have anybody in my life that, you know, I need to forgive. Um, well, I, I'm very skeptical of that. Um, mm. I think most of us have at least one person, if and normally a lot more, uh, with whom we we struggle and we we find ourselves maybe often in a position of having to forgive or wanting to forgive. Um, why is it so hard? Kind of what I was saying that need for that that validation from that person it, it runs so deep. Um, you know, and and of course, the offenses are exist on a spectrum, right? I mean, on the one hand, you know, there's the everyday garden variety kind of things, annoyances, the guy who cuts in front of us in traffic, the annoying coworker, 
I mean, with with a little virtue, with some charity in our hearts, we, we can normally kind of, you know, let go of those things and, and forgive. Um, but there's a lot of other things in our lives and it, because we're human, it doesn't take too much when um, those offenses really turn into hurts and they start digging deeper. And even though the book is, you know, kind of covers the whole panoply, the whole spectrum of, of, of things, and we offer a, a process, we try to walk readers through a pro- the process of forgiveness. Um, it, it, it's especially directed toward those deeper hurts. And, and those are the things that I think a lot of times we're, we're just not very good at, at dealing with. Um, and I, I think sometimes as Catholics, especially, and we address this in the book, we can kind of happy talk our way into saying, oh, yeah, I'm over it. I, yeah, I forgave him. I forgave her. It's okay. It's water under the bridge. We're good. When in fact, we're not good <laughs> we have, because we haven't really, we haven't really dealt with it. And, and normally forgiveness is a process and, and it, it, takes, it takes very intentional dedication to get ourselves to a place where we can actually make that choice to forgive. Most definitely. Thank you so much, Father Thomas Berg. We are going to have you stay on the line because we're going to continue the conversation here in in just a few minutes um, after we come back from break. But uh, Matt, I wanted to take a moment to uh, talk about the readings for Mass today and I think we can make kind of a connection here um, when, um, well, particularly in St. Paul's uh, letter to the Corinthians. This is uh, second letter to the Corinthians, I should say, chapter 9. Brothers and sisters, consider this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. I think that that can come into play when we're talking about our willingness to forgive it really is the case uh you know if you sow forgiveness <laughs> you know sparingly you're going to reap it sparingly um you know you you can automatically tie this back to the our father but i want to tie it back also to a reading we heard it was the last line of the gospel at mass um i believe it was this past sunday I mean, my days are running together uh, without cost you have received without mm. cost you are to give yes i mean how much did you pay you know, Jesus <laughs> to be forgiven by him, yeah. right? In the sacrament of confession or when your original sin was washed away at your baptism. I mean, how much, you know, what was the price tag on that? You got it, right? It's a free gift of God's grace to all who come. So, I mean, when we talk about what we are freely to give because we have freely received without uh, without cost, forgiveness has got to be in the mix of that conversation. Mm-hmm. We got to think of it that way. I mean, and when we come back from the break, Father Berg will talk more about um, the process of doing that and and when forgiveness gets hard, because, I mean, I know that there are people probably even listening right now who have been in some awful, awful, awful situations. And forgiveness doesn't mean that it's okay what happened to you, but... We are called to forgive. I mean, the most awful thing imaginable happened to God himself, and he forgave from the cross, and we're called to be like him. 
Indeed we are. I'm looking forward to the next part of this conversation. Me too. Me too. So hope you can stay tuned. Father Thomas Berg remaining on the line to continue the conversation about choosing forgiveness. Coming up next, it is 14 till. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. Support from Angel Studios. This July 4th from Angel Studios, who brought you his only son and the chosen, comes a true story of courage and redemption. Sound of Freedom, starring Jim Caviezel, who portrayed Jesus in The Passion, and Academy Award winner Mira Sorvino. Inspired by remarkable acts of bravery, Sound of Freedom unveils the true events of a dangerous mission to save young, innocent lives. A story that shares hope and the power of human resilience. Sound of Freedom. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. In theaters July 4th. Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. Why do we need Catholic Radio? Because not everybody's sitting in front of a computer or watching their television set at home. How about when driving to work? Catholic Radio is there for you. I may be a Catholic priest, but I'm still a student of the faith. And Catholic Radio helps supply good material, whether it be a question-and-answer format show, whether it be a show itself on doctrine or theology. I myself, as a priest, am always learning. Father Wade thinks Catholic Radio is important. So should you. Today on More to Life, Lentil Health. This Lent, let's fast from falsehood as we give up the negative thoughts that separate us from God's grace. That's later today on More to Life. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. That's not right. We ran an well, old file there. That's okay. Maybe The pop tracks are not talking about Lent in June. I'm sorry. They were talking about lentil soup. <laughs> Just saying. 12 till, here's Anna with headlines. The Holy See yesterday released the Instrumentum Laboris, or working document that will guide the discussions when participants gather in Rome in October for the first of two assemblies in the Synod on Synodality. The Biden administration has confirmed the president and vice president will be participating in a pro-abortion campaign event on Friday, just ahead of the one-year anniversary of Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health. And Pope Francis yesterday wrote a message to those participating in the Vatican's Observatory's Summer School of Astrophysics. You can hear news at the top and bottom of each hour right here on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 11 till. The Sunrise Morning Show continues, and we're talking to Father Thomas Berg. His book with Dr. Timothy Locke is called Choosing Forgiveness, Unleash the Power of God's Grace. Father, 
I want to talk more about the effects of forgiveness on the person who's doing the forgiving. So we've discussed why it's hard to do that, but can you talk more about the freedom that comes with true forgiveness? Right. Uh, my uh, co-author, uh, Dr. Timothy Locke, he's got a, a very simple image to kind of illustrate this. Um, if you've ever tried to hold a beach ball underwater, oh yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, you know how you know how challenging that is, and it, it, the the beach ball wants to keep on coming up all all the time, and uh, it takes a certain amount of strength to you know to keep that underwater, even though the the ball is always looking for a, to break free. Um, and that's kind of an image of what we're doing when we're holding on to unforgiveness. Um, we use a tremendous amount of internal resources and emotional resources. And this is why unforgiveness, uh, you know, it, it, it can really, um, it can really tire us out. It can really wear you out. It can really, um, stress our kind of psychic energies and, it just takes a tremendous amount of energy. And so, because we're trying to, we're trying to keep that submerged, you know, it's, and when we talk about kind of ruminating or stewing over something. Um, so when we receive the grace to forgive um, and we're able to let go, it's kind of like, you know, releasing that beach ball and just let, you know, letting it, letting it go. Um, I think that's a very simple, neat image of kind of the, the freeing, um, experience of, and that's why we often do use that language of letting go when we forgive someone. It allows us to relax and to kind of just direct our our resources and our interior energies again to just other areas um, of our lives. And of course, that's a lot easier said than done. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why, and that's why we wrote the book. Well, um, a word that to, you yeah. keep using a lot is grace. And I was thinking about it. I mean, everything that Jesus touches when he's here on earth, um, he raises it to a whole new dimension, right? I mean, he divinizes mm -hmm. it. So how would you say he ushers in a whole new dimension of forgiveness, this idea of Christian forgiveness? Right. Yeah. Um, really when we think about it and this is this is where we, especially as as catholics as committed christians we have to uh understand the place of forgiveness in our lives this this actually has a very commanding place uh god the father forgives us in christ that forgiveness is at the center of the christian faith um, his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice on the cross, he redeems humanity, reconciles us with the Father, and the gift of the Spirit floods the world with, with grace and the possibility of redemption. What, one very important place there that we come in is to um, usher that healing power of forgiveness into the world and to mediate that uh, between each other. Um, so forgiveness, to forgive someone with the power that Jesus gives us, to forgive someone in Christ, that that is truly godlike. It is truly a divinizing kind of experience. Um, and the reason, very simple reason, we put so much emphasis on grace is precisely because forgiveness is so hard. Um, I think a lot of times, and I've accompanied, I've been blessed to accompany many people, especially with the really, really deep wounds 
that come from abuse, physical, spiritual, emotional, sexual abuse, to be able to forgive the perpetrator of that abuse is, that is literally superhuman. I mean, that, that literally is just a, a tremendous um, action of, of God's grace in that person's life to be able to give them that, that freedom and to, for them to be able to choose and to make that choice to forgive. Um, and in so doing, that, um, that is just a, a remarkable revelation. It's a, a powerful instance of, of, of God's presence and action in the world and of, of the, the redeeming action of Christ in the world. We can participate in that in our, even in our, our, our small acts of forgiveness. Um, and that, I think that's the bigger context in which we have to understand this. Well, all of that is, I mean, well, you're talking about these huge acts of forgiveness and truly divine. I mean, that is forgiving from the cross, just as Jesus did. Oh, ab absolutely. And, but, you know, we don't have to, you know, it, it, it also applies to, you know, like I said, it doesn't take much in our lives for ourselves to experience hurt. And I, yeah. it, this very easily applies also to, um, the hurts that can happen between spouses, mm -hmm. between parents and children. Um, those also are moments to participate in this healing power of Jesus through forgiveness. Absolutely. We've been talking to Father Thomas Berg, very much looking forward to entering into a series on this book, Choosing Forgiveness, which you can find linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, thank you. Great to be with you, Annie. It was great to have you. And I mean, this is, once again, a conversation um, or something to meditate upon. Very much looking forward to uh, diving more into this book in the coming weeks because it is so hard to forgive, even if it's just something little sometimes. I mean, you know, I know that there are huge, huge, huge sins that are committed against people. And then there are those of us that, you know, some little offense and we're holding a grudge for weeks or months or years and it can eat us alive so i think it's a, a lesson that that we all need to learn um how to be better at forgiveness like true forgiveness not just you know sweeping it under the carpet but truly forgiving as our lord forgives like matt was saying before the lord gives freely so we must give freely and that counts for a lot i think anyway that'll do it for this national edition of the sunrise morning show we'll look forward to talking to you again tomorrow on ewtn another hour for our local listeners coming up here on sacred heart radio for ewtn we'll talk to you tomorrow may god bless you and keep you and grant you his peace ryan local